0: All right, turn in the Bible to Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three. We are going to finish up chapter three today, and then next week will be our final message in the Minor Prophets. We'll finish the book of Malachi, and therefore the Minor Prophets next Sunday, and then we will move in a different direction. It's been a long haul, uh, but it's been good for us, right? There are 12 Minor Prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. If you've not memorized those yet, you need to. You need to get on that. Uh, that's one of the hardest parts of learning the books of the Bible, all 66 of them. I was at a soccer practice this week, and a, a, a lady that was the mother of one of the kids on the soccer team uh, came up to me and started talking to me about life and church, and she said she is uh, thinking about going to seminary, and that she's a Sunday school teacher, and and, and I said, "Well, what, what have you been teaching the kids at school?" And she said, "Right now we're trying to just learn the books of the Bible, and that is so hard." She said, "It's so hard to learn the books of the Bible." I said, "Yes, it is, especially when you get to the minor prophets." I told her that that's where we are, and that's where we are today. Malachi chapter three. As you see in the bulletin, Bible, you see in the bulletin, God brings up, that there is a distinction uses that word in the Bible between the righteous and the wicked that there is a distinction between one who serves God and one who does not serve God now i like it that the bible uses this word distinction because there is, a distinction just means that there's a difference there's something that's that's making you stand out But yet the word distinction is a little bit stronger. If somebody is to be distinct, they are to be uh, different in such a way that you recognize it. Not different for no cause, but different for a cause. Not different without purpose, but different with a purpose. They are purposefully different. They are distinct. They are recognizably different. And this is what the Bible uses. I didn't tell her. She hadn't thought about it. But that was the answer to the third question right there. As you said, answered Josh Womble. She said she is wanting to be distinct, recognizably at work or school or wherever she is, that people would see that there is something distinct in her. And the Bible says that is how God's people are. Are. it doesn't say that's how they are to be it says that's how they are and so it's very natural supernaturally natural that we see her saying that's what she desires because that's what the bible says we praise god for it well here in malachi it is the final interchange or exchange between god and the people and there are six of those and we've seen them start reading with me now at malachi three thirteen. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve our God, to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape." Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinctions. Everybody see that? Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. This is the sixth and final exchange. At chapter one, you have them say, but how have you loved us, God? At chapter one, verse seven, you hear them saying, how have we polluted your name, God? At chapter 2, verse 13, 14, it says, um, but you say, why does he not hear our prayers and accept our offerings? At chapter 2, verse 17, they say, how, God, have we wearied you? At chapter 3, verse 5, they say, how can we return to God? And here we have at chapter 3, verse 6, God says to them, You're speaking hard against me. You're speaking harshly against me. I want us to imagine in our day how often we hear irreverent, wrong talk about God. I don't mean the the bad words, I don't mean the cursings of God as much as I mean the things about God that just aren't accurate that aren't fair, that aren't true. No, God doesn't say that. No, God doesn't think that way. The things that people say that are wrong, these hard sayings against God, and this is what God is now accusing his people of, and they answer back in verse 13 and they say, how? How have we spoken against you, God? The, the notion that they never do that. We don't talk bad about you, God. We don't say things wrong against you. We don't say things that are false about you, God. How, God, how have we done that? And yet again, for the sixth time in this short book, we see the arrogance, we see the excuse making, we see the deflecting of the people of God away from what God has said about them. If there's anybody who can rightly accuse you, it's God. If there's anybody who knows your heart, it's God. He knows your heart better than you do. And so if God starts pointing the finger at you, You aren't to push back, and yet that's what they're doing. So today, and because of this distinction, I want to just see what are the distinctions here of the righteous, of those that serve God, as opposed to the wicked, those that do not serve God. Let's begin by just admitting what verse 18 says. There's a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and who does not serve him. The Bible lets us know that there are really only two kinds of people. There are really only two categories. I know we have lots of categories in our mind, but there are really only two, right? And I want today to see if you will accept and believe, embrace the two categories here. You're okay with the righteous and the wicked. I know that you are. But how might you define which are the righteous and how might you define which are the wicked? And what I think you're gonna wrestle with is not so much the defining of the righteous, but the defining of the wicked. And the Bible pulls no punches. The Bible says anybody that does not know, love, and serve God is in the category of the wicked. Now, from our human standards and societal standards, it it, it may not be that they appear to be wicked. But in the big picture, in the kingdom of God, these people are not for God, and so whoever is for God, uh, is not for God, must be against God. And so do you see here, you have parallel ideas, the righteous and the wicked, the one who serves God, the one who does not serve him. Now, they may not be wicked toward you necessarily, you may not know them to be a bad guy, but in the end, all who do not love God will be judged and will be punished. In the end, all who do not love God and serve God, what are they living for? To what end are they living? Can they actually promote good? Can they actually strengthen lives or communities or make the world a better place if God is not in view? What is the goal here? What is the purpose? Where does the power come from? And so I want you to see here at the beginning when the Bible says that there is a difference when there is a dividing line, when there is a distinction, you and I must be honest about God's perspective. Matter of fact, we must be hoping that God's Holy Spirit is literally moving our hearts to understand the world the way God would have us, to understand the world the way God understands the world, understands the world to understand lives the way God understands lives, to understand people and categories the way God does. You know, as I was watching that video, and this tribal African refugee comes on the screen, one of the thoughts I had was, their lives are so different from ours, it's hard for us to even imagine, right? They are living in a refugee camp in another country. Think about that. It is hard for us to even imagine what they're living with, what they're going through. It is extremely hard. But you know what I also thought about? I'm serious about this. Because of the blood of Jesus, I have more in common with them than I do with many of the people I run around with here in America, in my family, in our town. Because of the blood of Jesus, and their trust in Christ, and them being Christian people now who cherish the word of God and live for God, I have more in common with them than I do with people here at home. And while that may be complicated to understand here on some levels, listen folks, it will be crystal clear soon enough. It will be crystal clear soon enough that those people are a part of the righteous, that those people are a part of those who serve God, and those who do not love Jesus and live for his cause are a part of the wicked that do not serve God. And while that guy's accent and the way he dresses, he still wore a shirt and tie, can you imagine? While that guy and the way he looked and the things that he was about and having to find water in a refugee camp, while he seemed so incredibly different from us, The word of God is true and Christ is really a life changer. I have more in common with him than the old buddy that lives in Fairdale and likes to support basketball teams. It could be true that those of us here that have so much in common are worlds apart. The Bible says that there is a distinction and if this distinction is a real one that it wants us to address, then according to these verses today, let's notice, we'll start with the wicked. Number one, the wicked who does not serve God speaks against God. God says to them in verse 13, your words have been hard against me. I wasn't even sure how I felt about this that God was saying this. It seemed to me a little bit of a weakness, a little bit of a softness in God that he would say that. If I'm being honest and humble and trying to be transparent with you all, there there are times when I'm at home with my family and I, 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 I get angry, or I get frustrated, or I get loud, and I get harsh. And my wife so graciously will teach me that you, you hurt them when you said that. And that hurts me that I've hurt them. But there are times when I try to push back, and I try to argue, and I say, well, it shouldn't have hurt them. They needed to hear it. I'm tired of this going on or whatever. We're familiar with what it is to have somebody speak hard words against you. Something that's more than a helpful word or constructive criticism. Something that's more than an encouragement or an accountability. Something that's more than a loving rebuke. Something that actually is hard against them. Too hard, unfortunate, out of line, out of place. And God, without being weak or wrong, says to him, to the people here your words have been hard against me now i know you're thinking i, I don't i know you're thinking i don't do this but because of what we're going to be able to see in the contrast i think we do more than we realize see this is the way the wicked are they say hard words against god but they don't know when they did it because it's not happening in the setting of God being around or God being in view. But if you look at the contrary, look at verse 16, there is a response here to the way they are. And it says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. Don't miss that statement. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. And notice that in neither of those, verse 13 or verse 16, it's not telling us that they're speaking to God. And that's why they don't think that they've said anything against God. They were doing that at home. They were doing that over at the Dairy Queen. They were just talking amongst their people when they were spouting off at the mouth. The Bible says that God is going to hold us accountable for every single word we've ever spoken. All the complaining we've been doing lately about it being 97 degrees here in October, right? God hears those. He's got a good reason. I don't know what the reason is, but he's got a good reason for why it's this hot. And that's the smallest of complaints. When we start talking and talking about God, and talking wrongly about God and talking wrongly about the things that God's doing or misunderstanding God. See, one of the ways that we talk strong about God is when we start talking about God in a way that we're ignorant about. We think it's a good conversation, but we don't know what he said. Y'all, it's a pretty long book. And until you've mastered this book, you're probably talking about things that you don't know what God said that he's actually already said. God actually has an opinion on quite a bit of things. God has said a lot. If you wanna know what he says about hard work? It's in there. You wanna know what he says about love? It's in there. You wanna know what he says about honesty, integrity? It's in there. You wanna know what he says about being a neighbor? It's in there. You wanna know what he says about refugees? It's in there. You wanna know what he says about languages? It's in there. You wanna know what he says about homosexuality? It's in there. You wanna know what he says about sex? It's in there. You wanna know what he says about money and spending and giving and all of everything in life? It's in there. And yet... When the family gets together for Thanksgiving, there'll be all these big heavy conversations going on. Well, I just think this. Well, I just think that. Well, I just think this and I just think that. And everybody just thanks. And you and I got to realize that a whole lot of that is hard words against him. But the righteous in verse 16 in hearing that spoke with one another They found some people that revered God. They found some people that knew God. They found some people that knew what God said and thought and felt and responded and and what God's truth was and they started to speak to each other about that. Have you ever went to somebody trustworthy on the word of God and said, hey, hear me out. Help me with this. Hey, here's what I'm going through. Hey, can you tell me what God says about this? Hey, can you talk me through this issue? Hey, marriage has been really hard lately. Can we talk? Hey, parenting is killing me. Can we talk? Hey, money's tight. Can we talk about this? What's God say? What's God's word for me? Can you point me to a right verse? I had somebody this week ask if I could meet. So we met this week, and here's what they said. God has given me, first time we talked about this. Here's what they said. We sat downstairs. God has given me opportunities to talk to people in my life about the Lord, and I don't know how. Can you tell me some things to say to people? Well, imagine the difference of who you're listening to on how you talk about God. And in this passage, you see a huge distinction between the way the righteous who serve God deal with talking about God and the wicked who do not serve God deal with talking about God. One group says hard words against him. The other group goes to speak to one another. We had a new members class this morning, and today's class, it meets four times, and today's class was on the emphasis of loving the church, being committed to the church. Although we know a lot of people are not committed to church, the Bible doesn't have a category for a Christian that's not committed to church. And so we talked about what it means to be involved with a church and, and come here, and one of the great benefits of being in church regularly is God starts to inform you and then shape you off what God says. It is so tragic and really ugly for people who say they're Christian to be trying their best and trying their hardest and trying to, by their heart, to live God's way without God's truth. It is so frustrating. It's ugly, it's out of place, it's disproportionate, it's not really faithful discipleship of following after Christ. To follow Jesus, you have to know what he says. Well, one of the ways to do that is to meet with the people and see. I would imagine that somebody's been encouraged here today because Yoseti said that when she moved to the States and didn't have any friends at all, she had to lean on the Lord, right? Right? And everybody sitting here today thought to themselves, man, I've been through a hard time and sometimes I don't have friends and I have to lean on the Lord, right? And that's what God does. You listen to people who know the Lord and God uses it. That's a sign of the righteous. That's a sign of those who serve God. It's a distinct mark of of us. Well, opposite of that would be the wicked who do not serve God. But here's what they say. Let's study it a little bit further. Look at Look at what they say. God says in verse 14 that they say it's vain to serve God. Vain means it's worthless. They go on to say this what's the profit of keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? What's the benefit of obedience? I tell you, that book's pretty strict, man. He's got some tough rules in there. I don't see any benefit. It's vain. It's worthless. It doesn't benefit me. Folks, can we just admit here today if that's your attitude, then you're not in the righteous who serve God. If you think the Word of God is against you and not for you, then you're on the wrong side. You need to believe, you need to trust. Imagine this attitude that says, it doesn't help me to go to church, it doesn't help me to believe the Bible. It doesn't help me to know God and his ways, and that's their attitude. The result of that is now we call verse 15 the arrogant blessed. You've got it so backwards on which is the righteous and which is the wicked. You've got it so backwards that when somebody is blessed and they're not far from God, you think it, and they're far from God, you think it's blessed. Just because somebody's life is going in a good direction doesn't mean they're blessed. Knowing God is the blessing. And what happens when you're not being informed by the truth and the word of God, now we call the arrogant blessed. Look what it says next. Here's another result of this. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape, right? And we start saying things like, why doesn't God judge them, right? We start thinking that way. We're not being informed by the word of God. y'all. God's got it under control. God understands. God sees it all. He knows what's going on. He's handling everything exactly the way he's desiring to. Everything's going to work out the way God has designed it to. We can trust him. But when you're, not being, when you're not being informed by God and his truth and his ways, you start thinking all these crazy thoughts. Trying to do Christianity based off your mind and your heart will not work. You need to be informed and shaped by the word of God. The Proverbs say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You and I are not to understand any wisdom at all without God. Wisdom starts with God. We have to be careful who we're listening to. I want to read to you just this short passage from 2 Timothy chapter 4 in regards to who we're listening to and why we speak against God. Listen to this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Listen. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The Bible warns us that we are living in a day where people will kind of tune out what God says and they will start listening to what people say God says. Do you hear the distinction? What a distinction. There is a difference between what God says and what somebody says God says. And when you hear a whole lot of, well, I just think, and well, I just think, and well, I just think, you hear a whole lot of that, you know that you're probably drifting further and further and further away from what he actually says. And if nobody in your home is going to actually say, well, here's what he says. And if nobody in your small group is going to say, well, here's what he says. And if nobody at your house on a Friday night, when you're in those conversations, is going to say, well, let's see actually what he says. Well, actually, Pastor Josh just taught on that, right? If you don't know, then you're going to find yourself saying all types of things that you mean well and you care deeply, but they're off. They're not right. And it's not Christian. There's a distinction between those who know God, live according to His Word, serve Him, and then those who don't. They may be nice, but they don't love God. They may be kind, but they don't know love God. They don't love God. And there is a distinction here that the Bible wants us to recognize. So the first thing where we see this distinction is one speaks against God and one speaks with another. One speaks against God and one speaks with another, all right? But the second, there's only two today. The second is one values God and the other doesn't. It says it. Look here. Look at verse 16. Those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him, listen, of those who feared the Lord. Look at this phrase. And esteemed his name. Y'all ever heard the phrase that says, you better put some respect on that name? You heard that phrase before? Hey, You better start respecting that person. God says that there is a category of people in the world today who esteem his name. The boys in my family have recently gotten involved with your mama jokes, you heard of those? You know what your mama jokes are? You've heard of those, right? For somebody makes a joke and makes fun of somebody else's mom. And they're like silly and at times they're dirty and crude but they've recently gotten into them. So they know what your mama jokes are now. But The heart behind a your mama joke is actually good. You shouldn't talk about my mom, right? And you hope, right, that no kid wants somebody to make fun of his mom, right? You should not want people making fun of your mom. And the flip side of that is you say so you shouldn't be making fun of anybody's mom, right? And I think all of you have some sort of a don't talk about my mom in you. I hope hope every one of you, and I'm not sure if you're going to fight over it or not. I mean, that's between you and how you are raised. But uh, I hope in every one of you there is a bit of, don't talk about her like, like that. And the Bible says that there's a category of people who say, you don't talk about God like that. God says in verse 13, your words have been hard against me. And when he says that to them, they're like, when? We talking about God. It's not even worth obeying you. It's vain. I don't even get a benefit from doing all this. And for the first time in the book of Malachi, remember, this is the sixth exchange. For the first time in the book of Malachi, after six exchanges of this, the people of God were bothered by it. And they went and huddled up. They started taking names, writing down a book of remembrance of those who do esteem his name. Now, this word book of remembrance is interesting because it's the only place in the Bible where you have a book of remembrance, but you have many times in the Bible a mention of books. We have a lot of lists in the Bible, don't we? If you've ever tried to read through 1st and 2nd Chronicles, you know they wrote down everybody's name. But there are a lot of books. We have books listed in Exodus, books listed in Numbers, books listed in the Psalms, books listed in Revelation, as we just read that, Austin read it a little bit ago, in the middle of the service. That at the judgment, God is going to open up books and is going to tell us what we've done. He's got everything recorded, and he's got books that have the names written down of all of those that will believe the Lamb's book of life. It's a common characteristic of the people of God, at least in the Bible, to say, who are the real ones? Let me write their names down. Who are all the people here that aren't talking bad about God? Let me write their names down. There is a group of people in the world that value the name of God, and there is a group of people in the world that do not value the name of God. They'll talk about him however they want to. Now they won't hear And that's why it's very common for y'all to hear people who don't go to church to say like, oh, don't lie in a church building. Like, y'all, I don't care if you lie here or there. Don't lie. I get to coach cross country right now. We got big race tomorrow, Faraday versus Coral Ridge, right over here at the elementary school. And every time before I blow the whistle to get them to start, here's what I say. Don't you cheat. I said it ain't good to be slow, but you know what's worse than being slow? Being a liar. I tell them that every practice. It's okay to be fast, it's okay to be slow, but don't you be a liar, don't you cheat. I'd rather you come in last place than cheat. I tell them that every practice. God has a people that value him. There may not be many people in your life that value him, but if he saved you, you are to value him. And there's a book now of people that listen, that revered him, that esteem his name. They fear him. But I want to point out something else. Those that value God and those that don't value God. But I want to point out one final thing here. Look at this. The Lord notices this devotion to God. So in a world of those that don't serve God, he notices those that do. In a world of those that talk hard against him, he notices those that do not, especially those who distinctly do not. Look at verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. Look what this (coughs) next sentence says. (coughs) The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Then God says this, verse 17 They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him, then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous. And the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him, God, the Bible tells us time and again, is watching, sees, observes. Remember, we saw in the other minor prophet that He sends the patrol out to watch everything. God takes notice that in the midst of all the blasphemy, in the midst of all the vain talk against God, that when His people come together and speak with one another and start writing down those who esteem his name and fear him and his ways, God sees it and starts saying, those are my people. That's my treasured possession. Those are the ones that I will take care of and bless forever. Folks, when the Bible makes it as clear as verse 18 and says, there's a distinction You and I must take on the heart that we heard from Yosetis this morning, I want to be distinct. When we see the Bible say there's a dividing line, there's a difference, there are two categories, one is distinct and it is my people, and it has to do not with their goodness, it has to do not with their kindness or their niceness, it has to do with their esteem for my name. Who I am and what I'm like and what I say and do you believe it? The way we think about God, the way we believe him and follow him and submit to him and trust him and turn to him in our repentance and believe upon Christ, those who esteem his name, we ought to be saying, I want to be the distinction. I want to be those that are set apart. I mentioned at the beginning that I love hearing these testimonies and if you've been around church or any sort of ministry for a long time, it's very common for us to do testimonies. You hear testimonies all the time, right? You hear testimonies in school in college and FCA, all over the place. People are always sharing testimonies. It's because they're good. It's because they're powerful. And I remember one time hearing a testimony that went something like this. My family's always gone to church. Everybody I know has always gone to church. My parents went to church. My grandparents went to church. It's just kind of what we did, To be in our family was to go to church. But I saw that for the people in our town, we were all the same whether we went to church or not. There wasn't a difference in my family between those who went to church and didn't went to church. There wasn't a difference in my town between those who went to church and didn't go to church. And then she said, when my cousin went to college, she got involved with a Bible study. They started reading the Bible every week and talking through it, and God saved her. God changed her life. She became a follower of Christ. She says it was because she wasn't just going to church, she was in the word of God. And this person sharing the testimony says, it wasn't until I saw the difference between a church goer and a Christ follower that I knew the difference. Until I had seen a true Christ follower that followed Christ according to his word, I didn't know the distinction. But now my testimony is because of the distinction I saw, God saved me. Malachi is coming to an end. The passage is actually about how they're wrong because they say back to God, how have we spoken hard words against you? But there are people who respond because of their fear of God, because of their hope in him. Folks, when we come to know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and we turn to him in repentance and we ask God to save us and we believe God does it, who he makes us into are people who love him, trust him, fear his name. My prayer is that we, all of us, would be a distinct group here in South Louisville. South Louisville is a little bit that way. There are a lot of people in South Louisville have church experience, right? All of you have a lot of people in your lives and in your families that say they're Christians, but you're not sure if they are. Hear the word today, distinct. Hear the word today, distinction. And don't think that it's something minor that makes you distinct. Make sure you know it's your commitment to Christ. It's your love for him. It is the fearing of the Lord. It is the esteeming of his name. It is that he died on the cross to save your soul. And may God make us a distinct people. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Malachi. And thank you for chapter three today. And thank you, God, for this word distinction. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make us a distinct people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here today and you know that you're not distinct, if you're here today and you know that you're not distinct from the unbelievers in your life, then would you repent? Would you bow your head, bow your knee, bow your heart and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me, God, for not being any different from those around me that don't know you. If you want to believe in Christ, you can do it now. I know it was a long service today because all the additional things that we had, but there's enough time left in this one song for you to become a believer in Christ, for you to turn to him. If you're here today and you need to be baptized and you have not told us that yet, then now's the time where you can do that. If you're looking to be a part of our church, you can make that decision now here at the end. As we sing our final song, let's respond. Let's, let's ask God to give us a heart that fears him and esteems his name. Let's sing.